0: Fresh out the oven. It's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises. One each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our mini-series, Unforgettable, covering all the films of Greta Gerwig. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing excellently i love this film i love you guys Uh, i'm happy to be here i am doing good too i was today for the first time while saying the intro i was like is it a little silly that we say we're a podcast in the intro (laughs) like do you think anyone's listening to it and they're like
1: oh this is this is a podcast yeah because we okay yes i will say yes because in fact i believe that our key demographic is our parents and (laughs) that they are not all entirely sure what this whole podcast thing is uh we're letting them know this is in fact the epitome if you looked up if you looked up podcasts in the encyclopedia merriam webster's very own you would see us cinema bombs as the entry
0: (laughs) and it would say this is a podcast
1: well today on
0: our podcast we are honored to have a special guest She's a director, actor, and stage manager who is perhaps best known to our audience for her fan account of her very cute nephew. Please welcome, Jennifer.
2: Hello. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't be more honored to know to be known as the girl with the fan account for her nephew because <laughs> he's perfect, and I would do anything for him.
0: I was really trying to. I was like, "What is like?" the funny thing that i can rib jenna about and i looked at your instagram and i was like well this is just all pictures of
2: yeah no <laughs> yeah. no you you absolutely hit the nail on the head my instagram and my finsta all all just pictures of auto also i need to say i heard yeah. uh we were talking about merriam webster mm-hmm. and i learned a long time ago that i am a direct descendant of merriam webster <laughs> What? Yeah. Wait, is it
0: one? Is it not two people? Two people. I assumed that Merriam and Webster were different people.
2: So maybe it's Webster.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
2: Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This could all be a lie. I was told as a child by my mother that I was I was related uh-huh. to the person who was writing the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Mm. I see the looks wow. on your faces, and now no, that's, I believe that to not be true. true. No, I just funny. have
0: a couple of questions, but that's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. It I, could be
2: a it, no, no, no. It could be an old time family fable.
0: It's really weird getting older and thinking about not just my parents, but like the adults I knew as a kid and thinking that they're like somewhat close in age to where we are now and being like wow they probably had no idea what they were doing either and they They probably probably
1: still don't (laughs) yeah that's the whole secret
2: to adulthood is that no one knows (laughs) you grow up thinking that people know yeah no one knows
1: yeah for real yeah we cracked it right here you heard it first (laughs) Mm. okay should we talk about the movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) i guess so i suppose Jenna, thank you for being here. Thank you. Have you seen any other Greta Gerwig movies?
2: I've seen Ladybird I guess okay. I don't know if I've seen any others. I honestly can't to attest- I can't
0: like attest to what her other movies are. Have you seen Little Women? No, have you seen Frances Ha? No, okay. those are the only other two you would have seen so. okay
2: okay,
0: but did you like Ladybird?
2: I loved Ladybird. I did. I think it was like, a. I love a coming of age story. I do. Mm-hmm. I love, I feel like there are so many stories too that could be told about college students, aka Mitchell, mm. or like post-college students that are set in high school. It's like for some reason we like zone in on high school in that age when there are so many stories that could be translated into like that early, that early oh, yeah. 20s like era you know I agree for sure
1: I was just talking off pod about how much I think these movies have been doing that like exploring that territory of like immediately after graduating college like what that's what that period of time is like that I don't feel like as many movies are about like you say a lot of them are about high school or sometimes college but certainly that like mid-20s is overlooked
2: it, it it is it's so overlooked and it's really mm-hmm. unrepresented It's kind of a bummer because I feel like anyone can relate to that as being like one of the lowest points for some people being like one of the lowest points in your life
3: Mm -hmm.
2: of feeling like, okay, I just went like kindergarten through like senior year of college. And if you didn't go to college, you know, like senior year of high school and that feeling of like, what do I do now? Like Mm -hmm. what is supposed to happen And no one's telling that story. No one's, like, telling that, like, saying how hopeless people feel. Like, how normal it can feel to not know what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm missing that in media so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's I listened to an interview with Greta about this movie, and she was talking about how, like, one of the reasons she started writing it was because she felt like in movies it's always, like, someone goes to college and then their life is awesome. And she was, like, actually, like, the first semester of college is, like, really hard for most people. Yeah. And that's, like, why she wanted mm-hmm. to to write it.
2: And I loved seeing, like, even that initial sequence of the movie. I loved seeing it. I loved how fast, like, the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. Because I love when movies do that. I love, like, when they're, like, boom, 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 here's what's happening. Now you're caught up. And here's where our story starts.
0: Yeah. And I so, love like, that, too
2: that's what she did. She just kind of did like, she showed us like moments, like there were moments that were shown the first 10 minutes. And that got me caught up. Also fun fact they talked about, um, I thought it was so funny that they talked
0: about the candle lighting. was going to talk about this. I wrote it in my notes. (laughs) Take it away. Oh, well, I mean, you could talk about it too. They talk about at the beginning Uh, going to like the candle lighting service Mm -hmm. at the beginning of college and that is where jenna and i met for the first time unbelievable and became friends that's so cool
2: it was so like and you were with people you probably never talked to since
0: yeah because i was with the transfer group
2: yeah yeah because they
0: sent us transfers were there like weirdly early so there was a group of like 20 people who i saw like every day for a week and then never saw again after that week
2: (laughs) which like why do they do that why do they they're like oh you guys are all transfers (laughs) like let's put you all together and keep you separate from the rest of the group like why don't they just integrate you guys into the rest of the student body it doesn't make sense
0: yeah, truly. I feel like this movie and also in real life is like a little bit about how the friends you make at the beginning of college are like not normally the people you actually end up being friends with. And that is true for a lot of people, but not true of Jenna. I feel like I got <laughs> very true lucky. all
2: around. I know that like your friendship specifically is one that I've definitely like held on to because even – I met you and we like exchanged social media and numbers Mm -hmm. and like we were just talking and then we became very bonded, which has been like awesome and one of my favorite friendships of my life. Like, oh, but yeah, those like beginning semester friendships are so crazy and like, you'll do things that you like have (laughs) never done and will never do again. Uh You, You get in a car full of people who you barely know and you just like go around and like, Do whatever and whatever happens happens and it's just like i feel like that first semester of college especially you're so open to anything and everything
0: and i feel like there are a lot of like groups too like freshman groups that you're a part of where you meet these people and then you become friends with those people but then like after that you never see those people again and that's kind of how you make friends early on. And yeah. also I feel like you are just like throwing yourself at anyone, like trying desperately <laughs> to make friends and to like explain who you are to other people.
2: I mean, did you go to college?
0: Yeah. What was, how did this movie reflect your freshman yeah. semester experience?
1: Oh, that, I mean, when you're talking about like how fast the beginning is, I feel like that's totally true. You're just like, boom, boom. Like I think back on first semester of college, I'm like, yeah it is just a series of images like you can't really even think of you know like any sort of coherent like what was going on it's just like impressions and stuff as far as like making friends early on i i went to i mean it was a very small school uh i guess anderson is pretty small but not as small right but the no, theater we're
0: probably we're probably bigger than
1: but the theater department is pretty small there too Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's you're kind of in the same boat where like, you know, if you're in the same department, like you're going to be with these people for a long time. So like you want to get to know them, but you also like have time to get to know them. But with other people from other schools, you don't like have to see every day. I definitely feel the same way. I ended up living with some people that I met my freshman year for the rest of the time that I was at school after my freshman year. So some mm-hmm. film guys and a music guy in that way, like those friendships stayed the whole time and like developed and got more interesting and like became deeper friendships, like something more than just like, you know, people who are like, will drive each other around when the other one's drunk or whatever, you know, like it's something, you know, into like a a deeper sort of friendship. But a lot of the other people that you meet freshman year, you just like, you're fast friends and then you're like, you're done with that person and they're done with you and you move on and go different places. And I think that is like very hard sometimes in the moment when that happens but i think it's a good thing overall that it does happen in life
2: yeah definitely Mm. i gotta say too one of my favorite relationships i won't even say fully friendships but one of my favorite relationships from college was my freshman year roommates i got stuck like First semester out the bat, I got stuck with two girls I didn't know. And after moving in with them, I found out that they requested to live together. Wow. <laughs> and I was put in a room with them. <laughs> and so it was just like this super weird dynamic. It was so strange. But they loved far sketched. Like they loved the improv team no and they loved coming to watch me on the improv team. Uh... And like freshman year through senior year, well, I wasn't on the team senior year, sorry, (laughs) through junior year, freshman year through junior year, like my time on the team, they were like, they they would come to every show and they would text me after. And they'd be like, Hey, was I was at Far Sketch tonight? Like, I loved watching the show. You guys are doing an awesome job. And like, I never talked to them outside of those moments. And I just thought it was so sweet. Uh, like, awesome. was just, this, it was like such a weird situation that we we're all thrown into, but there was this like beautiful little bond created. And I feel like that that's all it can be in college. You know, like you have one bond with someone and the, anytime you see them, even if you don't hang out with them, it could be like, Hey dude, what's up? Because you guys bonded over that one moment. And mm. that's so special and new to like mm. every
0: person. Mm. I had the kind of the exact same thing happened where I ended up the fourth in a group of three dudes who had all requested to live together. And they were all these wrestling dudes who like, I never would have met or probably been friends with if not for that. But they were cool with me, and I was cool with them. and It was just a very funny situation. And they would always let me tag along to the sports parties. So at the beginning of freshman year, I was always at, like, the soccer parties. And, like, I was one. the only person there in glasses. I was the only person there who was dancing <laughs> to the music. Everyone else <laughs> was so lame. <laughs>
3: And then, and you're right.
0: Like whenever I see those dudes after, like we're all in very different places of our life now, but we'll always like stop and talk to each other.
2: I love it. But it brings me to that point of like in the movie and in college in general, I've always thought about, I was a theater major. Right. So it's like, you're stuck with those 20 people who are in your class and the 80 people that were in the department. I don't know. Regardless, we went on a retreat. We were with those people all the time. We were working on shows. And, like, so you kind of have, like, these built-in friends mm-hmm. that, like, depending on your major, you're just kind of thrown into. Like, honor students are with honor students all the time. Like, they lived in houses together. And so this story kind of separated me from that idea, which is, like, the experience of so many other college students of being in a major where you, you're just going to class. You're just learning. It's not right. something specific where you're with the same people all the time. Mm. Like, you're spread out more. You're getting more of, like, the loneliness of college, I would say. Like, you're mm. surrounded by people, but you're not necessarily working with them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's definitely a, something I felt in this movie with Tracy of feeling, yeah. like, that first week and, of being, like, okay, I'm going to class with all these people, but what do we have in common? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, my experience was very much like, okay, you're with these people and you're going to be with them all the time yeah. because you're working on everything together. Yeah. So, goodbye. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, you got to love them or hate them.
2: Yeah, it was really, like, built in. Mm-hmm. And so, I didn't experience as much what it was like to not have those, like, built-in friends in college.
0: I think something along those lines that it reminded me of is of like moving to go to college in a big city, which I did for one year. So I didn't do it as a freshman in those situations, especially it's sort of like everyone has a thing. Mm. And if you're like, not the person who is going to like have a thing or be just like yelling your thing to everyone all the time, then it is like much harder to get noticed and much harder to make friends. And I feel like there is this aspect of like everyone like, searching for like their brand or like whatever is going to be the thing that other people will know them by and like Mm -hmm. selling that image as much as possible
2: yeah and you try to cling on to whatever it is which is what she was doing she said like okay i like to write what can i do here's the most popular writing thing how do i get in how do i be a part of that group Mm -hmm. and it's i mean i feel like that can relate to any person in any facet Of being like, okay, I want to do this. I want to be like a person in this industry. And these are the people that already know what they're doing. So I'm going to try to get in with them and try to Mm. do their thing. And then I'll be a part of the bigger picture. Which ultimately we realize is not always the best decision.
0: All right. I guess I should introduce this movie. (laughs) We're talking today about (laughs) Mistress America. This movie is about Tracy, who is... A freshman in college, moves to New York City. Uh, Bernard, I think, to be a freshman, wants to be a fiction writer and wants very desperately to get into this sort of exclusive club uh, for writers which uh, where you have to, like, submit a short story. And she submits hers and gets rejected, but she really wants to be in it. And then she becomes friends with Brooke, who's played by Greta Gerwig, who is, like this New York socialite in her thirties who is her soon to be sister-in-law because their parents are marrying each other and they've never met before.
2: Stepsister. Step step sister?
0: I was trying to think of which one it would be. Okay.
2: Stepsister.
0: So Tracy sort of like sees Brooke's world and goes along on crazy misadventures, but also without Brooke knowing is writing her short story about Brooke so that's the basic the basic setup for the movie. Um, it was directed by Noah Baumbach, again from Francis Ha, who actually put out two movies this the year this came out. Uh, he put out the movie While We're Young in March, which I saw with my mom in theaters. Cute little movie. This movie was written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Sam is the last one. Gerwig has also been acting in other movies in the time since... We last talked about her. She was in this movie, The Humbling, with Al Pacino. I haven't seen any of these. But the year after this, she was also in Jackie and in 20th Century Women. And those were her last acting roles ever. So since then, she's just writing,
1: directing. Mm. I I hope not forever. I hope she has a mid-50s comeback as a truly incredible dramatic actress. Mm. Or perhaps like the broadest of broad comedy. (laughs) i'm talking i'm i'm saying she needs to give us some melodrama
2: i'm into that very into that i feel like she does a great job though of portraying what's in her head so i feel like that would be awesome because a director's vision like a director who can act i believe is a gift Mm. because Mm. they can see what they want and they can portray it and i think that's beautiful
0: Uh, The score was by the band Dean and Britta. The movie runs one hour and 24 minutes. It was released August 14th, 2015 by Fox Searchlight Pictures, which is the indie imprint of Fox. They've put out a lot of good stuff, but that makes this the first Greta Gerwig movie that was done by a major studio. Hot damn. She found her spotlight. I could not find a budget for this movie. I looked all over, could not find any. But it got a box office of four million, about a third of what Francis Ha did. Definitely was not as well known as that. But it it was positively received by critics, seventy five on Metacritic. The sequence that was the most discussed was like the big Connecticut sequence towards the end of the movie. This was the thing that people were people who liked it were either like. The, I actually don't like this sequence but the rest of the movie is good, or mm. we're like this is the best thing in the movie, and the rest of it is like not quite mm. as uh, as hot as it, which was interesting, but that was the thing that like everyone was talking about the The quote I pulled was from David Ehrlich, who was writing for time out he says. By its close, the film achieves the clattering velocity of an unstoppable train, and the countless number of quotable lines cohere into a gentle treatise against the need for outside validation. It is Bombach's lightest, funniest, and most nimble film. Uh, which I would certainly agree with.
2: What, yeah. a wordy, what a wordy review.
0: Yeah, what a, what a wordy way to say it. Kicks, man! <laughs> All right, Jenna, uh, Mistress America, flop or bop?
2: Um, I would say it's a bop. Mm-hmm. I might even say it's a flabop. Mm. I think it's a flabop because I think it's an enjoyable movie. I don't necessarily think that it's a movie that needed to be made.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think
2: it tells a good story, but also I love when movies are made that like advance people's perspective on life and advance like it like experiences and really dive into stories. And I feel like maybe it's because it spoke too much personally to my experience um, <laughs> yeah. that I felt that I was like, oh, I've seen this story before. I know what this is like. Mm-hmm. I, like. I get it. So it was easy for me to pass aside. I also thought that, it, there was, like, very much highs and lows. I thought that one-on-one conversations were brilliant.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I thought that there was a lot of depth and a lot of good dialogue. But those moments in the Connecticut house, when there was six people stuffed into a frame, all waiting their turn to speak, <laughs> felt very much live theater to me. And I was, mm. it, like, made me take a step. Like, there was particularly one scene where it was like they were at the bar and the stairway was coming down and all six of them were like in the frame. And it was like right after Brooke and Dylan saw each other. And they were like, they're like, they were literally like Mm. living, living in a moment where they are just like waiting to speak, but they couldn't Mm. because there were six people in the frame and the other people needed to speak before they could. And so it was like very much live theater in that sense where like you can't talk if someone else is talking. And so I'll just live in this emotion until I can speak my lines, you know, like that's what it felt. So it it went back and forth for me between Hmm. like that chaotic group feeling, which I enjoyed, and that really good intentional one-on-one conversation. Hmm. So it's like a toss up in that sense.
1: Emmett, Flop or Bob? Bob, unmitigated incredible <laughs> incredible i loved it it's the best i think it's the best one yet in the series yeah. cool. and i also think that the much lauded connecticut episode is not only like an incredible part of this movie but it's also i feel like consistent with the rest of the movie in its tone uh, in read those critics view on that and i also think that it's just like one of the most hilarious sequences i've seen in a movie in a long time Hmm.
2: wade flop or bop
1: i'm kind of there with you jenna i was a little more mixed
0: on it but i did like it a lot i would say that I, i would just say that i like liked didn't love and i thought it was like good not great
3: yeah
0: I don't want to come down too harsh on it because I did like it a lot. And I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I think just for me, it was a little mismatched at points for me. There were like sections where it got into a rhythm and I was like, Oh, this is so funny. This is so good. And then there were other points where I was kind of like, what is this doing in the movie? Like, what are we doing at this specific point? And I thought that it was also maybe like a little bit slight. Like maybe I wanted there to be a little bit more there or something centralized a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of like I want to give it a bop because I did like it. And I certainly liked it more than Nights and Weekends, which I gave a bop to, um, which was one of the earlier films. And I think it's a much better film than that. But I do think that that film maybe achieved its vision mm. a little bit clearer than this one did, okay. which I think gets kind of muddy. Huh.
2: That's I I felt a similar feeling of being like, I kept feeling like I could feel the intention of a scene, but I could see through it.
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
2: Like I could see through the director's intention of a scene. Mm. And that's what kept taking me out of it. I couldn't tell as I was watching it hmm. if if I was honestly, like, correct or incorrect in feeling those emotions of, like, is this supposed to be a little over the top and, like, satirical or is it supposed to be, like, a serious human moment? Because hmm. a lot of the moments felt a bit satirical, especially in the yeah. Connecticut house.
1: I am not sure about the tone because I think it's too – it's, like, okay. No, I do. I do actually – I do have some thoughts on this. It's going to be a dive, so let's do it. <laughs> um, I think that this movie is incredible because it is bookended by the writing of uh, our young protagonist Tracy. Hmm. So the whole book, the or the whole movie, can be taken as her short story, or like can be like taken as like the short stories pulled from the events of this whole thing in some way, and that this could be some sort of retelling of it. All of the stuff oh, that's just her by herself is, or like just her and the college stuff is very much one tone. And when you get uh, Greta Gerwig's character involved, it becomes this like kooky comedy. Like it's a tragedy for Greta Gerwig's character, but it's like this kooky satire of this lady and like all of her weird friends. And in when it comes to the Connecticut house, And it's the girl's college life intersecting with this weird like over-the-top ritzy lifestyle that her older sister character – I mean, she's not really her sister at that moment. But like that character is is involved in. You see the character relationships mirrored in the adult generation with the college kid generation. It's the exact same thing going on. Like the jealous wife and the jealous girlfriend and this guy who like wants to be with the cool, interesting girl versus like – the wife that or like the one that he's with right now um it's like there's an interesting thing going on there and then it's all like very brightly colored i feel like when she's whenever she's involved in it um got a gerwig's character and then it at the end it kind of like goes back into that more drab feeling even though it or it goes not even like drab but just more like teen teen angst coming of age story because you get like 10 minutes of that at the beginning and like 10 minutes of that at the end and i think it ends being tracy's movie and it begins being tracy's movie but the whole weird tone thing is that in the middle Mm. it is tracy's movie of like Greta gerwig's character's life you know what i mean And like when she says you stole my life like i really feel that is like that's Mm. kind of what's going on in the movie uh structurally you know
2: yeah i totally I mean, and that's where I totally agree because I I agree from that perspective that it's a brilliant movie. And so I I have an issue with it. Like my only issues come because of like uh, dialogue moments or satirical Mm -hmm. moments But when I look at it from that perspective of it being part of her story, it's like, Mm -hmm. whose perspective are we coming at, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are we just watching that as an unobjective third party? Are we watching it from someone's experience? And that's kind of hard to tell when Mm -hmm. you like really get into it. Mm -hmm. But like, I fully agree from Tracy's perspective. I feel like I, I related to a lot of it. A lot of my college experience really like on a, most levels of the story like mm. when you come into school as a freshman or sophomore and you meet someone and you're like you are the coolest person I've ever met like this is amazing I'm doing so many cool things I'm going to clubs and shows and I'm meeting people and it makes you feel like you're on top of the world and you're on top of the world with that person so you're like how do I do what they did like where do I get to that point point? Mm. and so And I was reading something about this film of, of like, of like Tracy fell in love. Tracy fell in love with this life that Brooke was living. Tracy fell in love with Brooke and the idea of her and like, and like how that was happening. And I did the same thing in a different sense. And, and it came to that point of like, you'll do anything for them. You'll fight for them. You'll defend them. And I feel like Tracy was very much doing those same things for Brooke Mm -hmm. when it came to like the, the, presentation in the connecticut house of saying like well this is how it's going to happen this is what it's going to look like and so you're standing up for this person that you in turn actually don't even really know because that person was trying to present the best parts of themselves to you that person was saying like oh like you're new to chicago let me show you you let me show you everything You're new to New York. Let me show you everything. Like, I know people. I, like, know the scene. Like, Mm -hmm. I know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes addictive. It becomes addictive. And it also, like, lets you get an insider view of what it could be like. And so, like, she decided to take advantage of that insider view. What? I take that back. I wouldn't even say she takes advantage of it. Like, she's a writer. And she saw what she saw and decided to write about it. And honestly, I don't think it was wrong at all. Which is why I thought that the outburst at the end of the movie was interesting.
0: Mm. I thought it was a little wrong, maybe in just not talking about it. Although I know that that's like a hard thing to talk about. When I, so I, when I, we got to that part, my like first thought was like, who hurt you, Noah Bombach? Like, who wrote about your life yeah. and pissed you off to him and Greta? But then I was, like, also thinking about it later, and I was, like, their, individually, their most successful films, I feel like are all very personal, like, about their mm. real life. Mm-hmm. Like, Squid in the Whale is about his parents' divorce, him during his parents' divorce, Marriage Stories about his own divorce, Lady Bird and Frances Haar, obviously, about, like, Greta Gerwig's own life growing up Mm -hmm. or like hugely inspired by those things. So then I was almost wondering if they're like looking at the other side of it, like imagining what it's like to be one of the other people connected who they're writing about, or if they're just like taking a more nuanced view. I mean, I'm not, I just wasn't totally sure where the movie comes down on writing about your real life, like turning people you really know into characters.
2: And I felt the same way when it came down to that scene mm-hmm. where everyone in the house, like all these random characters mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. were in the house disagreeing with Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, what is this? I was like, am I supposed to be on their side? <laughs> because I was like, because of the fact that five or six people are disagreeing with me right now and are on what's her name Mamie we're on Mamie Claire's side (laughs) like it it made me feel like I was supposed to be on her side but really like my heart was absolutely with Tracy of being like did she really do something that was that bad
1: Hmm. yeah I agree with you with that for sure I I was like in that moment I was like oh yeah I'm gonna side with Tracy no matter what because all these terrible people are telling her what's what (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 no. Somebody needs to stick up for her. I think that might be intentional. Because it does feel – it feels like the movie is kind of on her side. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Talking about the performances, and I guess this goes down to the tone, I felt like Gerwig was doing kind of this like – 30s 50s showbiz marquee weird she was doing like you know like the hello boys like she was doing this sort of accent and lilt and she
2: was like at one point she was like you
0: got a honey and i was like no yes one yes talks yes like yes, that. yes yes and no one else in the movie is doing it and tracy has like a very natural performance but then i also felt in all of tracy's like voiceovers that she was doing sort of like a like 30s like beatnik like gay, uh, great gatsby sort of thing almost yeah. so i felt like the old school connection there but i feel like gerwig's performance is like very she's doing a thing
3: yeah
1: i was in love i was like when she came on screen i was like this is the this is the person that we've been waiting for through the past three movies like this mm. is who that person grows up to be and i was thunderstruck I was <laughs> I was like I would do anything for this character. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I, I love- think yeah.
2: like when she walked down the stairs and she like said her line, <laughs> and, then like, and then there was like five seconds after that of just like silence of her still walking down the stairs like, I thought that moment was so brilliant it was so good but you're right like that character like that person oh my god it's amazing like someone who's in their early 30s who just kind of like owns the city who like knows what they're doing <laughs>
1: like mm-hmm.
2: you take over like, it's a really beautiful persona.
1: I think she's, like, doing, like, several different things. And I think the whole thing is she's wearing a mask for most of the movie and she only lets it drop in, like, a couple of key scenes with, yeah. with Tracy. And so, like, all that weird stuff she's doing really is, like, her character acting, not just her acting.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. I really liked
0: the stuff, the moments where you talked about where she lets it drop. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel a little bad for saying this because i love greta so much but i felt that she was almost even a little miscast in the other stuff like i'm just not sure i bought her as someone who had that like intense social status of like being like the it girl of the city at least with how she was doing it Hmm. i totally bought her as like the ditzy girl with a lot of relationships who was like uh, at the end, who is like sort of awkward about getting what she wanted, but like had good reason to. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the beginning when she's like making out with a band and like running across the town and everyone's coming up and has something to say to her, uh-huh. I just didn't necessarily feel like the performance matched what I think that person would have to be. Okay, fair. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That was just, I would say that was my biggest hang up of the movies that I felt weird about her as that character. Hmm. I was imagining that if they did it today, it would be Margot Robbie playing that character. Damn! Oh, huh. you're right. And I think she would do all of you that mean, social.
1: Are you talking about
2: right? in this film? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you'd I think you'd lose something. I think she's an incredible clown. Yeah, I think you'd lose all the stuff at
0: the end. That like not, not and not dissing Margot Robbie at all, but I think you'd miss like some of when you realize like how close that character really is to Tracy. Mm-hmm.
2: I just feel, I felt like we didn't get enough mm. of Brooke.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I felt like we didn't get enough of her, st- because, it, I mean, that's like a tale as old as time as a person who, I mean, it's clear mm. that she was the bully in high school.
0: Mm. And right. That part's wild.
2: That yeah. part is, okay, let's talk about that part. Because yeah. that part is wild, because I feel like it goes back and forth between that like new age and not even new age and old age, but like the two sides of the spectrum where it says like, okay, am I just going to forget about it and say like, life is short, who cares? Like, whatever, like, let's move on with our lives. Or am I going to say like, or am I going to hold on and like need that closure and need that apology? Mm-hmm. I think it's so much more important, at least in my life, to like find closure in situations Mm -hmm. and like because you can pass over things all you want, but they're still going to come up in your life. As long as you choose to not acknowledge them, they'll still be there, unfortunately, at least for me, personally speaking, like things will always come up if I don't have closure for them. So I absolutely have respect for that woman who come came up and decided to say something and mm-hmm. to speak up and to speak her mind. And I think that scene, like, I mean, that that scene told me everything I need to know about Brooke. Mm-hmm. Truly, it did, because it told me everything she was covering up, told me how she was trying to portray herself, how she wanted to be seen. Like, and I tried to give her grace after that moment, but it was honestly really hard for me.
0: I feel like that moment gives Tracy a little more permission Mm -hmm. to be doing what she's doing, which is kind of writing the story about like seeing both the beauty and the flaws of Brooke. Mm -hmm. My main takeaway from that scene that I thought was such a good specific detail was about how the other high school character talks about the like Brooke and some other guy used to like bully her together. And Brooke's reaction is like, Oh yeah, I was really good friends with that guy. Yeah. And then they leave and she's like, Oh, I need to call that guy. I need to call him right now or I'll never do it. And those were like very specific details that felt very real to Mm -hmm. people I know in my life.
2: Absolutely.
0: So many details and so many great. um, I mean, the writing in this is like, Incredible, especially on the page. I feel like there are so many good one-liners and little factoids about life that they've
1: just dropped into the middle of all these conversations. For sure, I want to just bring up briefly that they make reference in this movie from 2015 to two things that would become major scandals in 2019 and 2020. This is this is Mm -hmm. actually kind of crazy. So when they're at Mamie Claire's house. Greta says something to Tracy about, oh, she's, like, terrible. She got a scholarship to go to school to row crew, and she would never even rowed. She never did it, which is exactly the college admissions bribery scandal that all the celebrities' kids were involved in in 2019. Whoa. And it's like they, and it's like specifically for rowing crew too. It's not just that it was like they got in, but it's like specifically for rowing crew. So like, look that up. It's uh the code code name Varsity Blues because the U.S. government is just the least original. And and, uh, and but look it up. It's it's wild. And the other thing is the uh, taxi driver medallion scandal. Where the U.S. government, or the, or the specifically the New York taxi commissioner system, embezzled something like eight hundred and ten million dollars by, in, like, inflating taxi medallion prices for taxi drivers, and it like drove people to commit suicide because they were in so much debt for out of being taxi drivers, and they made. Like 200% increases On the prices Letitia <laughs> James, the Attorney General of New York Is about to take their ass to court So, you know I say good And he what's makes, a Wait, what is a taxi driver medallion? It's like a thing that goes on The hood of the car that says This is a, a legal taxi oh, it's, not, okay. it's not an Uber, it's not a Lyft, it's a taxi oh. And get this They are talking about that in this movie as well Because he says we made some bad investments In taxi medallions what okay Uh-oh. so greta gerwig is like five years ahead of her time in this film predicting stuff she is on the deep truth train she knows yeah. what disney was up to in china okay <laughs> she knows Uh-oh. and someday she's gonna release the greta gerwig simon kinberg edit and tell us why disney created the coronavirus simply <laughs> oh, to just no. destroy the box office of <laughs> new mutants there, it's <laughs> fun, my magnum opus. <laughs> been in the plan all along. Uh, uh,
0: lots of discussion about Twitter in this movie too, which I obviously yeah. know had been a thing since like the late aughts, but it yeah. would only grow in how well, much we had to talk about it.
2: I also thought it was interesting that like when we first meet Brooke, she gets that picture we're taking in the club and she's like, do we have to document every moment mm. of our lives? And then, not even like not even a scene later, jumps to I love social media. It's awesome. It's a way we can document our lives. Like what? <laughs> I mean, and I I feel like it's a an honest millennial jump there, you mm-hmm. know, of like. Yeah. Being like, put the camera away, like, stop taking pictures of everything. But also, I love social media. It's this awesome, like, new thing that we can use to connect
1: with each other. I loved how she had a couple of those moments where she was like, that's, I'm going to make a tweet on Twitter. And then she was like, This is a gram. That means picture <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. There's no Bombach and Greta Gerwig really coming in and trying to explain what the internet is. Something that this movie made me think of from
0: my freshman year. I don't know if you guys experienced anything like this, but like the thrill of dating or being or being in a relationship, because Tracy and Brooke are like have a relationship with someone who is older and like has an apartment and can do things that are not on campus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like of like taking you places and going to restaurants and and being at an apartment. Like I definitely remember that being, like, the coolest thing in the world.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it makes you feel like you – Wade and I had a similar experience in that mm. at, at different times, but still, mm. like, feeling like you can escape, like, what you're doing and meet these older people. And do, I mean, Emmett, you may have had a s- similar experience. I don't know.
1: Um, not so much in school. I mean, like, it was – it, like Winston is also a pretty small town as well as it being a small school. I guess Anderson is as, as well, but um, yeah. I don't know. There were, there weren't as many people like that at, at school, but it's certainly like going to New York. My friend, Laura Braza, from a mentor would like had me up there as her assistant director for, for a couple of weeks, one summer. And, like having her as like an older person than me, like a person who's like a few years older than me to show me around the city and be like, hey, this is like what life in New York as a young director could be like, you know, like was very, very exciting. So like I identified with that part of that um, more.
2: I definitely felt that with like, I was with this like, show maker person in greenville Mm -hmm. at the time and so it very much felt like i was like oh i'm with it like i'm doing all the cool things i'm doing all the right things like i'm meeting all these cool people and very much feeling what tracy felt of like kind of having to live up to that experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and kind of having to like grow up super quick and being like, trying to act cool and trying to be this other person and, ne- and like at that age, never realizing that who you are is enough on its own. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so you're so always cool. trying to fill like what you think is missing, even if it's not. And that's something I was definitely doing, which is why I love Tracy. Like, I love her so much. I think that she really was trying to like, especially like that kitchen scene between Tracy and Tony where Tracy and Tony both mm. kind of admitted to each other, like, this is how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really beautiful moment that most people don't get to share with each other. And she was like, I feel like if I could just get my style, I would be like the coolest, hottest person ever. And like, right. that's how I feel half the time. I like, But for me, it's like, if I was skinny, I might be the coolest, hottest person ever. It's like this ridiculous like, view of yourself. That really isn't real, but you kind of have this like, I don't know. I don't know if it's egotistical, like, perception of yourself, or if, like, if only I could do this one thing, or if I knew this one person, or had this one status that I could, like, make all my dreams come true.
0: That's funny when you say it like that, because when she says it in the movie, I felt a little cold about it. But then, like, when you put it like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally think that way, too. Like, if I could Mm -hmm. only change this one aspect of myself, I'd probably have it all together. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, too, other than, like, trying to grow up and trying to, like, put, like, adult relationships, craft them onto your thing, is the feeling that you're, like, a big deal or just a part of, like, some other scene. But then, like, in the place you actually are, you aren't really doing much, right? like Tracy at her actual college doesn't really have many if any friends or like stuff going on but then she is like involved in this other scene and i definitely just like know the feeling of that of knowing of being like yeah i'm a big deal doing this other thing but then it's like actually where you are at home you're not doing much mm-hmm.
2: Well, and when you give in to that illusion that you're part of a bigger picture, right? Mm. Like and ultimately if you're speaking like in how the universe works, like yeah, you're part of that bigger picture. But like in reality, when I was going to shows in Greenville or doing whatever and thinking I was hot I wasn't doing anything, you know, like sure. I wasn't necessarily like I was just playing up to what I thought the experience was. And then mm. Like, I mean, in, a, in relation to the film, I feel like Tracy was seeing all these things and she's like, I'm 18 years old. I'm hanging out with all these 30 years, 30 year olds. Like I'm doing something like I'm in New York City. But then when you take a step back from it and you see Brooke's life kind of like crumbling before your eyes, you're like, oh, it's not really that much. Because it like brings you into that older perspective of being like, oh, I thought that this person had it all together. I thought they knew what they were doing. But then I feel like Tracy's author mind very much held on to that and Mm. like held on to that story, which is why I don't think she was in the wrong at all. Like, I think her author mind really took over and saw the story of what was happening.
0: I think we see a a little bit from Brooke's perspective too. Like, I think she can tell that Tracy is really into her and looks up to her. And she is kind of like performing up to that in a Mm -hmm. way. And also I think being like inspired Mm. and pushed by that too. And that's sort of the same thing from the flip side, right? Where Brooke is maybe not like, she doesn't have what she keeps saying she wants, which is like to have her life together and stability and sort it out and stuff. But then all of a sudden she's being looked up to as being really cool from like someone from the outside world, even if it's just a college freshman. And then all of a sudden she's like trying to put her stuff together. There's also something interesting. I didn't even think about this till this moment, that Brooke like wants to go to college, right? That Brooke like feels very deeply insecure about having never gone to college Mm -hmm. and then feels like so much validation from Tracy being this freshman at this really smart college who is like infatuated with brooke
1: that's really interesting yeah i hadn't thought about that either but she was like in some ways brooke is actually like a year ahead of her in like standard life goals hmm. you know like here's this lady oh, yeah, who's just yeah. been like if she's 30 that I means she's been just like screwing around outside of high school for 12 years and not hmm. seeming to really get a lot farther other than that she can like wear nice clothes and like somehow pay for f- for f- nice food places.
2: And I think if we're tying it to modern times is modern. I mean it's 6 years later, <laughs> it's not that much more modern. Yeah. But it's really tying into cuz 2015 is when the film came out and so I think about like I graduated high school in 2014, mm-hmm. went my freshman year was 2014 to 2015. And so you are really tied into that like Gen Z millennial turnover,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: right? And so I think it's a lot easier in that age, especially when you look at like 2012 to 2016. It's a lot easier for millennials to kind of like draw in that late uh, millennial, early Gen Z era to be like, look at what we're doing. Like my life Mm -hmm. is glamorous. I'm living in... New York City and it's like that weird crossover of like social media and like posting too much about your life or like Mm. not knowing when to post Mm. enough and so it's like a very interesting commentary on like what that looks like and so that's where I think that Tracy's a great like combination between the two because I think that she totally falls in love with like the idea of Brooke's life and it being glamorous and her knowing people and going to parties and opening this restaurant and like her life being really glamorous, but then also seeing the reality of the situation and of being like, I feel like her life is going to fall apart. I can understand Mm -hmm. that it's not really built on much and that it's not going to last very long.
3: You know,
2: like, and I feel like that's where like the reality comes in. Cause I feel like a lot of true millennials were able to get tricked into like, the good feelings of social media. Mm. And I feel like a lot of Gen Z is able to distinguish of being like, I understand that this is social media and I understand that this is my real life and my problems.
0: Mm. We're going to um, dive into some of our regularly scheduled segments here. I have almost nothing for the behind the scenes drama this week. There was like truly not much. Oh, the, the biggest thing is that this character of Brooke was originally a minor character in an entirely different movie oh, that, right. Gerwig and Baumbach were writing that never got made. And they were just like, we really like Brooke. What What does her movie look like? And that's how they started writing this movie mm, for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was Wait, interesting. That makes that sense. so
2: much more frustrating because we really could have liked Brooke. I could have liked Brooke so much more if she didn't turn against Tracy in that moment in the Connecticut house.
1: But I think you see that in the end because she has the she has the story and she's been reading it and they sit down together for Thanksgiving and it like like I think that's what that is. Mm, okay, I'm not sure if it's in her
0: character either to like be accepting yeah. and calm about things when she first finds them out. Yeah, but which,
2: which makes sense to like the the character of her character. I mean, if we're we're talking about someone who's truly invested about really portraying this facade about themselves, then she's doing a great job. But if we're looking for redeeming qualities in a character of someone who can accept their faults and Mm. realize where they were wrong, Mm -hmm. like that is a story that I can very much more relate to.
0: Emmett, I want to ask you about this since we watched Francis Ha. Francis Ha was a big, like, critical commercial success. Mm -hmm. And I'm always interested in, like, with anything, like, what do you do with the sequel, Mm -hmm. right? Like, once someone has gotten something successful, like, how do you follow it up? And I think this one is interesting as sort of, like, the big swing, like, messy follow-up, like, not trying to do the same thing but bigger, but instead, like, taking a real left
1: turn. They're like, what if Frances Ha never like gets beyond where she is at the end of that movie emotionally and in mm. fact drops back a couple of steps while keeping all the quirky weirdness and then 10 years later meets some young protege. In that movie, she's she's much more sincere and much realer of a person than she is in this movie.
0: Well, I think the movie is much more sincere.
1: Well, yeah, that's true.
0: I think the first 10 minutes of this movie feel like the tone of Francis Ha. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the stuff where I was like, Oh, this movie is going to be like what Francis Ha is to being in your late twenties. Uh, this movie is going to be to being a freshman in college. Yeah. And it's going to be like sentimental. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Real, a little funny look at like how hard it is to be. And it like kind of is that. And then it gets into being like a screwball comedy for, A lot of the rest of it which
1: i i love that that aspect of it but i like that stuff a lot too it does feel i said this it feels like a like right after seeing i said it feels like a david o russell film specifically like the crazier parts of american hustle and i heart huckabees in that Mm. especially in the connecticut scene which like can we just describe that briefly they please they roll up at this dude's house because they're trying to like get some money off him to get her restaurant they
2: being Brooke and tracy tracy's friend and his (laughs) tracy's friend's
1: girlfriend
2: girlfriend.
3: (laughs) yeah
1: and she she says as they're walking up oh we're all coming we're gonna we look crazy i guess that's okay. good <laughs> and, <she's> like, hey. <laughs> and they roll up it's not even the right house so then this very strange creepy neighbor takes them over to the right house so then they come into the house you think okay now they're gonna have the scene no no no, no. there's a reading group of all I pregnant women talking about faulkner and derrida and her friend mamie claire <laughs> Who's pissed to see her. Who's just pissed to see her. And she's like, wait in the car. No, we don't want to wait in the car. It's weird. And she's like, you can't, you, No. So then they come into the house. They completely disrupt this whole meeting, this whole reading meeting at the same time. Uh, Nicolette is getting super jealous, and maybe Claire is getting jealous because she thinks that Greta back to steal her man. And there's like all of the character relationships are like patterning off of each other. And there's this this other woman, Karen, who's just there waiting for her husband, and she's just an observer in this whole thing. And it's, by the t- time you're at the, uh, the end of it, there's like six different people on screen they're all like having these weird conflicts with each other and it's all like strangely tied together and it culminates in them making her give a pitch on a stage like cold absolutely cold. Um,
2: yeah.
1: It's incredible. I love it.
2: Which I loved. It it truly felt like a part 1 and a part 2 of a film. Mm-hmm. Like I loved part one. I loved the New York City feeling. I loved like owning the city, being a thirty-year-old badass who just like knows what she's doing. And then as soon as she stepped in this into this like suburban Connecticut part two of the film, it uh-huh. was like a totally different <laughs> feeling. Like uh-huh. it totally
0: disconnected. Yeah. Jenna, who do you think the protagonist is? Tracy
1: i would agree i also believe that it's tracy
0: i agree what do we think that she wants
2: like truly especially because they were at a private school this film like transported me in the first 10 minutes of like feeling mm-hmm. like i was in my private school talking about who's going to convocation and the candlelight ceremony and what we're doing <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and so that immediately made me connect to her and obviously that's part of my own experience but regardless, I think that she's the protagonist because we see her at the beginning of this experience struggling, I like having a real hard human experience with the first couple like weeks of freshman year of college and what that looks like and how to connect with people and what to do and what events to go to and what's cool and what's not cool. And we see her true intent at the very beginning which is to get into this club and which is to write, which is to make friends. And that's why I see her as a protagonist. She's trying to get what she wants while also doing the right things. We see her like, even as soon as she meets Brooke, like trying to help her and like be her friend and like holding her coats and like buying her dinner and all these things. So Mm. I think she's trying to do what's best by her and by Brooke. It's like this complicated, like I want to please you and please myself situation.
0: I think I would say her immediate goal throughout most of the movie is getting into the society. Mm. Like, I think she definitely wants friends too, but I think it is like by those means is what she's most focused on, Mm. which is why she makes some of the decisions she does throughout. And then I think we see her make the change at the end after she has gotten into it, gotten what she wanted where she realizes like, Oh, this wasn't actually what I needed, I guess. And it's interesting that we see Tony so more easily, like, let go of that dream. Hmm. Like, we hear from Tony that he also, like, wanted to come to this school to be in this club, and they're both, like, striving for it. And then Tony just sort of finds, like, you know, re- regardless of how healthy it is, like, a meaningful relationship, and then he just, like, then isn't as fixated on still doing it as she is, I feel like. Hmm
1: the thing that she does over the course of this movie is she finds her style she talks about that if she could just find Mm. her style
3: Uh. but
1: i think she finds it in writing (laughs) and in her style of life rather than in her like style of clothing which i think is when she says it i think that's what she you you assume she means but i think this is a a a movie about like learning how to live your own way Mm. uh and that, that is what she does over the course of this movie in the at the very beginning we were talking about how she's kind of struggling to make friends at college, but the reason she's struggling to make friends is because she's so much herself because she's like interested in things because she is the one going to the convocation. Like she is just like doing her own like weird kind of quirky thing. And when she gets involved with her older sister, she kind of falls into the background and becomes an observer character. And the observations that she writes are copying her sister character, not just in like taking events from her life but copying like kind of the tone in which she speaks you mentioned earlier how she kind of has that 1930s style to like the the way that she's talking which is very similar mm-hmm. to like cribbing from greta and so it's not just her life events she's taking it's like the style as well and it's kind of mean and that's why it comes across as mean and that's why it's so upsetting to her she's being Greta's in the that moment being revealed to herself as she would describe herself if she were another person which is a very traumatizing event especially Mm -hmm. for someone like that uh tracy realizes that that was hurtful and that that's not the way that she wants to live she feels bad she gets into the club with it and then she feels bad about it she lets it go she goes back to her sister even though there's nothing really there to connect them anymore not because not even so much because she needs it but because she knows they need it together and there's all this stuff with the the old guy the old uh psychic and he says the thing about the path isn't against you it's just the path and then at the end when she goes back he says she says where am i if i'm not in my body and he says 5 feet to the left and unhappy and she's like it's about like not living the way that if she lived the way that Greta's character lived, she wouldn't have gone back. But she goes back because she has to because she has to live her own way and like make the relationship right. And because she finally found her own voice. And it closes with a quote that is much warmer and sincerer and closer to her tone at the beginning of the movie than any of the stuff that she was writing throughout the middle of it.
2: Emma, that's good. <laughs>
1: wow, that's good. That's, that's great.
2: Good.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I also was like very Interested that her feedback when she finally gives it to Tony is that like his writing voice, uh-huh. although it is it may be good, is not like who he is as a person. Mm hmm. And, and that doesn't work for her, which was really interesting on her journey of like finding her writing and voice. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely relate. Like, I know for sure when I started writing, like you just write like Tennessee Williams mm-hmm. because that's, what's good. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, this is what all playwrights must write like. And then it like takes a while for you to find that voice. Yeah. And I think you do find it from the people around you as much as you do from yourself, which she does in this movie. Yeah.
2: And she she found it within her writing voice and her real voice
0: mm. of
2: being able to say like okay but this is what I want to say and this is what I'm going to say to you mm-hmm. like this is yeah. what I didn't like this is what I'm willing to now share in my writing and now what I'm willing to share towards you I mm. I couldn't stand up for myself before like this but I can now so I'm going to come back to you, come back to the story and say what I couldn't say before
0: mm. Mm. I I would say probably not enough suitors in this movie to play Greta off without you. Everyday Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet, still not in this movie. Still kicking
1: ass <laughs> in this movie. He is so good in this movie. As I think, if he if he was in it, he would be one of the literary guys. I oh, and yeah. would be like a much longer plot line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> would be like the one that she's looking in the doorway at like Uh he's like sitting there carving the thing yeah that's who that's who he would be in this movie (laughs) i I was also gonna make a joke about how he was the unborn child of karen
0: (laughs) all right now is the part of the pod where we like to play a little quiz you may have noticed beloved listener that we here at cinema bums are searching for some sort of repeatable quiz some sort of new game that we could play every week with a movie instead of coming up with a new one for every movie <laughs> yeah that's a little it's a little, it's a little and lot we, we know there are some good ones out there but we don't want to crib from other podcasts but we would very happily crib from you beloved listener so please write in to cinema pod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for quizzes we should be playing Put quiz in the subject line, and we will make sure to read them. We would love to see that. Having said that, today's quiz is called Quiz Miss America. It is based on the namesake of this movie and the report that Tracy writes is obviously a play on Miss America, the beauty pageant contest mm-hmm. that has run since 1921 in America, where 53 states and territories the big 50 plus washington dc puerto rico and the u.s virgin islands all submit a young woman and then someone through some process decides which of them is miss america um i don't know very much about it to be honest i know that it's problematic as certainly this game will be too (laughs) what we're going to do today is um to a draft of which states we think have the most winners of Miss America. Now, let me explain this a little bit. Over the last 100 years, there have been 93 Miss Americas. Uh, They took breaks for the Great Depression and for the COVID pandemic. Uh, Those 93 are split across the 53 states, as I said. So how this game is going to work is we're going to have five rounds, and each round... You will have an opportunity to pick a state that has not been previously picked, and you will get the points of how many Miss America winners that state has produced in the last 100 years. For instance, and I'm going to take two off the board right now to, to illustrate, Jenna, if you said North Dakota... (laughs) then I would look and see that North Dakota has produced one Miss America. So you would get one point. And Emmett, if you said South Dakota, I would look and see that South Dakota has produced no Miss America winners. And so you would be at zero. And whoever has the most points at the end of these five rounds wins. So I'll give you a little bit of a heads up here. Uh The most that any state has is seven. Okay. So the scale of points you can get here is zero to seven. Okay. I will also say of the 53 eligible states, uh-huh. 20 of them have never had a winner. Holy hell. Wow. Oh, Lord. The yeah. stakes wow. just
1: got raised. So
0: the stakes wow. are high. Wow. All right. You guys ready to play? All right. Jenna, you're going to have first pick okay. every round. So what is the first state you would like?
2: Oh, uh, well, I got go to go Illinois, my home state.
0: Okay. Emmett? Florida. Jenna, Illinois, coming in with five Miss America winners. So you're starting off with a very respectable five points for round one. Emmett, Florida, with two Mm. Miss America winners, Mm. 1993 and 2004. Mm. So the score is five to two. Jenna, round two. Uh,
2: My college state, South Carolina.
0: Okay. Emmett? California. Let me see. South Carolina here also with two including the year I was born, 1994. Emmett, California, a big winner, six points. Hell yeah. California, one of the states tied for second place in terms of most won. So we've got Emmett taking the lead here at the end of round two. Jenna, where are you going with for
1: round two?
2: Let's go with the more like obscure state. Let's say Oklahoma.
1: Okay. Emmett? I'll go just south of it, Texas.
0: Jenna, you've hit the jackpot. Oklahoma with six, six Unbelievable. winners. Tied for second with California in a third wow. state. I'll tease that. Uh, and Emmett, you said Texas. Uh-huh. Texas with a respectable three. Sweet. Okay. Three points. All right. Here now, here we are entering round four. Jenna, where are you going this time? Let's go.
2: Um, let's go, like, let's go out into the ocean let's go with hawaii
1: okay okay emmett i'm gonna say new york Mm. that was my next one uh jenna hawaii two
0: two miss americas emmett new york you've struck solid gold (gasps) the only state to have seven miss americas the number one, uh, including the last Miss America twenty nineteen. Wow! Congratulations to her.
2: That was my next one. I am disappointed in myself.
0: The score is currently Jenna fifteen, Emmett nineteen. So, still anyone's mm-hmm. game here as we enter the last round, round five. Pick carefully is what I would say to both of you. Most of the big one, I'll say the I'll say the big ones on here are. We've we've done the New Yorks. We've done the Californias. The big ones left are maybe as surprising to you as Oklahoma was to me for being high up on the list. So you each have one more pick. Jenna?
2: Um, Let's go Washington, D.C.
1: Okay, okay. Emmett? Well, I'm going to go with my favorite state, the state where all the women are strong, all the men are good looking, and all the children are above average north carolina (laughs) all right jenna
0: washington dc with two
3: Mm. Mm -mm.
0: emmett north carolina with one only one
1: 1962 wow that's a long long, time ago long time ago okay well i i'd like to abolish this system now if north carolina (laughs) hasn't won and a long time.
0: It was a close game that brings the final score to Jenna in second place with 17 and Emmett winning the quiz with 20 points. Ooh. Congrats to both on the game well played. <laughs> um so it's New York in the lead and then all tied for second is California, Oklahoma and Ohio. Oh whoa.
3: Oh. Each with 6
0: which oh. was interesting.
3: Ohio.
0: And tied for third, Illinois, which we guessed, also Michigan and Pennsylvania,
2: mm.
0: all with five.
2: Honestly, it makes me wonder how much they correlate to their House seats. Like, That's how, interesting. What is the correlation to the House of Representatives <laughs> to how many Miss Americas each state has won? It's probably wow. pretty similar.
0: Okay, Jenna, who is your MVP OTP your most valuable player other than the protagonist. Your favorite character other than Tracy or Brooke in this movie.
2: Oh, okay. I think that I loved Dylan. Dylan mm. was Mamie's wife. Husband, not wife. Mamie,
0: Mamie Claire's <laughs> Mamie Claire's
2: husband. <laughs> Dylan was very obviously clearly still interested in... And invested in Brooke. <laughs> like, obviously, like he made that very clear. Oh, I might take this answer back. <laughs> I might go back in time because what's the same? It was the best. What was the same? Tony.
0: Mm-hmm. Tony. Right. Uh-huh. I
2: think I might circle back and go back to Tony because. <laughs> <laughs> because tony was just a poor lost freshman boy who just caught up he, he got i could count on five hands the freshman <laughs> boys in college who got caught up in a girl and who didn't end up with her who got so caught up just like in their relationship and someone they met and they thought that they'd be with for the rest of their life and that is exactly what to ta- okay yep I take back my whole answer. Tony is my answer. <laughs> I got caught up in this freshman year relationship with a girl who is much too controlling for him, and like that is classic freshman year girl behavior. <laughs> I experienced that through all of my college life, like I was holding much too much accountability to whoever my partner was, and I one hundred percent okay, I can't say one hundred percent i 70 percent stand by what Brooke said of like there's no cheating when you're 18 years old I think everyone should be touching everyone <laughs> <because> <laughs> now that I'm 24 I would absolutely say I think everyone should be touching everyone <laughs> I think just like take absolute freedom of your life and that point and I think you should do whatever you want like <laughs> I think there should just be less accountability of relationships. I don't think there should be like, that's just like, that's Mm. just the part of me that's coming out. I don't think that there should be as many like serious relationships in college. I think college should be more about figuring out what you like and who you like and what you want and what you Mm. like and like all of those different factors. I think especially in the Christian college realm, Mm. we take, we take relationships way too seriously. <laughs> and I think that that was happening with <laughs> Tony of being like, well, this girl likes me and I think I like her. And like, I don't know what to do. So Tony goes with my MVP mm-hmm. of non-protagonist characters.
1: Emma, who's your MVP? Oh man, this is, this is tough. It's like so many people in this movie. I've like, I've loved, I, I cannot stress enough. I loved every single performance in this movie. I was like, Mm. this is just exactly what you need to be doing right now, even when her mom came in at the end. But I would have to say Mm. that Mamie Claire is my number one MVP. (laughs) (laughs) She comes on screen and I was like, The heel turn. (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh, oh, this is a totally different kind of movie now. I was like, Mm. I was like, oh, this movie just got exciting. Like we're about to, we're about to be served some drama. It was, she was like, she comes on and there's tension and you're just like, oh, Oh, they're gonna have it out before this. The, before this film is done, like it is all coming to light. And she's been built up since like the very beginning of the movie, but you don't see her until like at least halfway through. But you've been hearing her name about the T-shirts, and she stole my boyfriend. She stole my fiance. And like when it happens, it's like, and it just like the way it unfolds. And she even like gets that moment at the end where she comes in and is defending Brooke at the end against Tracy too. So she's like got mm. nuance to her as well. I love her. Love her just incredible
0: (laughs) there's that like slow zoom in on her sinisterly (laughs) smiling at one point
1: when 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 oh god when her husband goes up and like does the very awkward kiss on both cheeks to Brooke right after the presentation (laughs) and then stands there and like nods knowingly to himself and then she (laughs) runs up and grabs his hand (laughs) It is so <laughs> funny. It is just like perfect physical comedy on all, on all fronts. I loved it. I lo- yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I, And that like plays into the brilliance of like act two, as uh-huh. I would call it this moment. Like the physical comedy was absolutely mm. on point in act two of this film. I think it was brilliant. Wade, what's your answer?
0: <laughs> well, I agree with Emmett that this movie is full of MVPs. And since I have, Last pick. I want to give a special shout out, not to all. I don't want to go down the list. We don't have to talk about Karen. We don't have to talk about Kareem. They're all so good. I want to give a a quick shout out to the the psychic who is so good
3: Mm -hmm. and who looks
0: like a guy, right? Yeah. And I looked him up, and this is the only thing he's ever been in. He's never been on screen in anything else. I think he is maybe a psychic in real life. He's incredible. But he's so good in that moment. But my MVP, who could it be but Nicolette? Oh. Who could it be but my Queen Nicolette? Oh. I have nothing but love for her. Just, just unbelievably good. Played by a young Jasmine Cepha Jones, who plays, of course, uh, Peggy and Maria in Hamilton. Excellent in Blind Spotting, which is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. And showtime has a spin-off about her character in that movie that's going to be a tv show coming what? out which i'm so excited for
3: wow
0: so i love her as an actress but my love is not founded on that i didn't even realize till the credits world that it was her because this is like three or four years before she does anything else yeah she just cracks me up i think she's so committed i think her comedic skills in this movie are unbelievable she has my favorite line reading in the whole movie which i cannot possibly repeat on this podcast but is during a scene where um tony answers the phone because tracy is calling him to ask about what type of pasta she could buy while nicolette and tony are in bed together and um nicolette's response to it is
1: unbelievably good i i love her mvp And it's, like, it's so grounded. It's, like, a funny thing to say, but she means it.
0: Yeah, she has such conviction. Like, you know, like, if you were really knew her, it would be horrible. But, like, I also love that she gets dragged along for the road trip. Like, that she becomes such an important character.
2: I was gonna say that's where I disagree. Because I uncomfortably too much find myself at this intersection of Nicolette and Tracy. (laughs) And I don't know what to do about it. So I hate Tracy. I hate Nicolette, but I love Tracy. So it's me like finding these parts of myself intersecting. And I'm like, I hate this part of myself that was every part of Nicolette. I love Mm. the parts of myself that was every part of Tracy. Mm.
0: (laughs) bro it's too deep damn jenna what are do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up the conversation on mistress oh, yeah. america
2: i okay wait this isn't necessarily a complete thought of my final thoughts but this is what i wrote down in my notes one the film has a very satirical attitude two ethereal soundtrack
3: mm.
2: three I don't think that this is a movie that needed to be made, but I do think that it would make a gorgeous book.
3: Mm.
0: Those
2: were mm. my three final thoughts that I thought to write down at the time.
0: I right, like that. Emmett, final thoughts on Mistress America?
1: Where'd she get my phone from? <laughs> Oh, another one of those details, baby. That cracked iPhone. It's so <laughs> good. um I loved some of Greta Gerwig's lines in this. I just want to run through a couple of the better ones. She says, mm-hmm. "Don't be incompetent," to Tracy when she is like doesn't know how to make coffee. She's like, "I don't know how to make coffee," and she's like, "Yeah, you you spend two minutes with it, figure it out." I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." Then she says, I'm going to be worse off now than I was before I started trying to achieve stuff at one point. <laughs> I like that one. Um, she calls Nicolette a goth housewife.
0: <laughs> and, uh, is there anything more on brand
1: for me to fall in love right, with right, than a goth housewife? <laughs> he says, she says at one point, her dad's like, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? And she says, I'm going to, probably going to end up doing something depressing but young. And I was like, oh, that hits home. My sister and I one time spent Thanksgiving in a Denny's in in Asheville because we were too poor to go home and too poor to get any other kind of food. But just like sit mm-hmm. in the Denny's and feel sorry for ourselves and for some bad eggs. That is the 20s to me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I feel it. Like, we haven't talked about how sweet her idea is, even if it is like kind of unattainable it's like this idea of having this really nice restaurant. That's like kind Mm. of a a co-op it's got a a shop and it can be anything to all people. And like have artists and everybody that you love is just there all the time. And it doesn't really have to make money. It just like gets by somehow. And it's like this really nice, but kind of impossible idea that I think a lot of us in the arts would really love to believe in and, and do someday. But it's just like almost never actually possible because of, you know capitalism.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Wait.
1: I uh,
0: have three quick ones. I want to say first that there's a very sweet little shout out to Frances Ha in this movie, <gasps> where Tracy sees someone on the street who she thinks is Brooke, and then it's not, but she turns around and it's the uh, Mickey Sumner, the actress who plays Frances Ha's best friend in that movie. Who's awesome. Oh.
2: That's good,
0: yeah. Especially so that was because really
2: the actor turns around and says, "It's okay, like no worry, you know." Like she's mm-hmm. being like, "It's not a big deal that like, you mistook me." Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful detail. I love
0: that. Yeah, I love that. Secondly, I want to say that when we started watching these Greta Gerwig movies, Laura, past and future guest of the pod, said Greta Gerwig's voice sounds just like Jenna's voice. Hmm. And I want to say that she's right. Wow.
2: My voice?
0: Yes, having listened to you talk on this podcast, thinking about it. She's she's very right.
2: Wow. All right.
1: Okay. Um, wait. Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait, Damn.
2: that's so interesting. Now I want to rewatch the movie.
0: <laughs> Lastly, my final thought I wrote about this was, and I, don't, I love Noah Baumbach. And I love a lot of his work. And so I don't mean this as that much of a dig, but I wrote that this movie is the sign of a deeply unfunny person cutting loose. <laughs> and then I think that he's sort of these man who makes these like very sentimental, like deep mm. realism movies who I feel like what this one set out to be like, all right, let's make the wildest, funniest, craziest movie anyone's ever seen. And my reaction is like, yeah, that's pretty funny. (laughs) But like, it's not, I think it's much more funny. I agree with the quote at the beginning that they were like, it's the, like the lightest, the most fun Baumbach movie by far, but I don't necessarily think it's much more fun than other movies perhaps, (laughs) but I think for him, it's great.
2: Yeah. And I think it's an interesting take on like, when you have the money, when you have the resources, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. He was someone who like built a name for himself. And like, once you have that platform, like you're at a position where it's like, I kind of want to do this passion project. It's so, like, what yeah. am I going to do? Like, this is how I'm going to fulfill that.
0: And I like that it still feels like him, even though it is such like a different tone and style than his other stuff. Yeah.
1: I love that Greta Gerwig gets to play this like wacky over the top character. I just think it's so wonderful with her.
0: That feels like one of the things that maybe you don't get unless you make it yourself, yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And I haven't seen other films that she's acted in. So I can't say mm. much on that topic. Mm. But I did still see that performance in which it's like, "Okay, I'm an actor and I'm a director and I'm able to fulfill my role as I see it, which I think Mm. is dope.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will be back next week with Lady Bird, 2017's Lady Bird, her next movie. Very excited for that. Jenna, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I
2: am so honored, truly. This is one of the greatest honors of my
0: life. Is there um, anywhere that people can find you online or anything you're working on you want to shout out while you're here?
2: I'm not working on much, I mean, I was contacted about a couple Chicago Zoom shows, Mm. but I I just couldn't have on board. (laughs) 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 If you really want to follow my life, you can follow me on most platforms at Thi. There's nothing happening, but that's that's what's happening. Nothing.
0: (laughs) Sure, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Same here. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, thank uh, thanks to both of you. Love thank you guys.
2: You for having me. It's been an honor, truly.
0: Uh, absolutely. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> night.
2: Bye, Bye.
0: Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram, at cinemabums, or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.